Warning, this episode contains brain food that will lead to improved emotional and social intelligence. Hello and welcome to our new short format servings of consciously prepared brain food designed to improve your mental fitness. This is Lisa Cypress Kamen, your host. For more than 12 years, we've been proudly and consistently crafting harvesting happiness and sharing it with you. Each week, we spotlight diverse thinkers and doers who are contemporary trendsetters and change agents devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. We invite you to listen up and change the way you think about human happiness. Our award-winning content is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven media that promotes well-being from the inside out. Alrighty then, let's dive in. This episode offers psychosocial education designed to inspire and motivate our listeners. The information provided does not constitute a therapeutic relationship nor a substitute for professional mental health care. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, call 911, go to your nearest emergency room, or for listeners in the United States, text 988 for the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining me on today's show, where you will learn about the Silver Linings Growth Book, Transforming and Transcending Trauma. My guest today is Dr. Adit Shiro. And she's authored a book, The Unexpected Gift of Trauma, The Path to Post-Traumatic Growth. Dr. Edith Shiro is a clinical psychologist in private practice in Miami, Florida. She specializes in trauma and post-traumatic growth, holding space and guiding her patients to achieve greater potential and higher consciousness. And I am super excited and honored that she's joined me today to talk about a subject that she and I both hold in common is very dear. Dr. Shiro, thank you so much for joining me today. Lisa, thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited to be talking about this topic. And I know you resonate a lot with it. And I can't wait to share it with you and with the rest of the world. I, I, And I am excited to share and support you in your mission to get the word out that trauma is not the worst thing that ever happened to us. Well, trauma can be the worst thing that ever happened to us, and it can be the best thing that ever happened to us. And that's the big paradox. My book is called The Unexpected Gift of Trauma, and people, some people react and say, but how can you put the word gift and the word trauma in the same <laughs> sentence? You know? <laughs> ah, well, th- therein lies the journey. I think. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Let's talk about your framework for the book, The Unexpected Gift of Trauma, because you wrote this book originally many, many years ago. And I would love for you to share with the audience your journey from inception to what we hold in our hands today, which is a beautiful book. Thank you. Listen, the thing about this book is that I think it's it's a convergence of very, very personal experiences and very professional experiences as well. So that's why I think it has um, a particular take on, like I'm a, I'm a daughter and granddaughter of Holocaust survivors. Also, my grandparents are Syrian refugees uh, that had to escape for for to survive also i um i am an immigrant myself so a lot of this uh 
experiences by my ancestors and by myself have informed very much my profession as a psychologist. I, I have to say also that I've been a psychologist from, since I can remember. <laughs> and, yeah, and, 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 and I've been always asking myself this question, Lisa, how is it possible that people that go through extreme traumatic events and very, very difficult, adverse situations can come out of it and do well and thrive and, you know, really transform and others stay stuck and even develop PTSD and are depressed and cannot get out of that repetitive, you know, place. And I always had that question. I'm like, how is it possible? What makes a difference? How can people recover from situations that are so difficult from war, from abuse, from earthquakes, from death? Like, how do people do that? Is it even possible? And, uh, and that's really what got me going very early on in my research career and in my clinical career. And that's why, you know, part of, that's why I said I wrote this 20, more than 20 years ago, because this was my line of research, yeah. you know, this, uh, this transformation to get to post-traumatic growth. How is it that a group of people, not everybody, but a group of people that go through very difficult situations Take that as an opportunity and as a possibility to transform, to transcend, and to get to some place that they would have never gotten there if it wasn't for what happened to them. You write in your book, The Unexpected Gift of Trauma, The Path to Post-Traumatic Growth. You talk about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief as being yes. a framework for post-traumatic growth. Can you share with the audience about those five stages and how that translates to PTG? Yeah, I mean, the book, it, it's not exactly that it's the same. What I want, what I use, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross' stages of grief that we all know as an example to what I'm offering right now, which is the five stages to post-traumatic growth, which is providing a language and identifying the stages in the same way that we know there are five stages to grief, I want to tell people there are five stages to growth, and and this is the framework that I'm providing. This is a, these are the steps that I I really didn't invent that, Lisa. This is not like, wow, I made this up. This is what I've seen over and over and over with my patients, with the families that I work with, with the communities. It's like I'm synthesizing and I'm putting words and identifying the process to get from trauma to post-traumatic growth. So I just wanted, for, to, for context, to let listeners know that Dr. Kubler-Ross's five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance, not necessarily in a linear fashion either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then when we talk about post-traumatic growth and the five-stage framework for that, I would love for you to share with our audience, what that looks like. Yes. So, you know, the short name of the, of the stages are awareness, awakening, um, becoming, being, and transforming. So each, each of them has a, a very specific uh, description of what happens, and this happens a lot. So, for example, the first stage is the stage of radical acceptance. This is when we stop we take a pause and we look around and we say, what is going on? I am, this is what's happening to me. This is who I am. This is what I'm living. 
you know, this is, uh, I am like, for example, this is when people say, yes, I am an addict. Yes, I'm an alcoholic or yes, I'm sexually abused or yes, I'm an immigrant or yes, I've been divorced. You know, like you, you really identify and, st- and, you know, this is a moment when you stop denying or avoiding or dissociating from, from your symptoms and from what's really happening to you. Then the second stage is a stage of protection and safety. You reach out to a therapist, to a group, to a a friend, to a family, which you can feel safe and where you can express your feelings. The third stage of new narratives, you start, you know, I I don't know if you can identify with this, like people start looking for new responses, for new ways of doing, for reinventing themselves. It's like when the past belief system doesn't work anymore and you have to reinvent and recreate new ways of seeing and understanding yourself and others. And that's when people get into workshops, into podcasts, into courses, they travel to other places, they break up with whomever they were with, like a lot of changes, you know, a lot of changes happen. You know what I mean? And they they start creating. Shift happens, exactly. And it's like, it's almost like creating a new identity. And then you get to the stage of integration in which you really hold both the old part of yourself and the newfound way of being. And this is when you can say when you no longer react to your traumatic past when you're able to talk about it and integrate it into who you are now and then the fifth stage which is my favorite is the stage of wisdom and growth this is when you truly are in this place of appreciating life having meaningful relationships there's a spiritual awakening even you know your priorities have been rearranged you even this is when you turn the pain into purpose this is when you really go from a breakdown to a breakthrough and it's a, it's a lot happens, you know, but to get to this stage. And that's a very juicy, fertile <laughs> place to be. You know, I love what you said from, you know, the moving from pain to purpose. Yes. And that is the secret sauce in my view and experience and from my own research about these unique stalwart warriors who are able to be that phoenix that rises from the ashes after trauma. Exactly, exactly. I mean, sometimes I've seen that really the deeper and darker somebody goes, the higher and more bright he can get or she can get. And, you know, I always say it's not that you really want to get into something so painful and so much suffering, but if you know that there's something that happens after the trauma is not a life sentence, that you can actually use this as a springboard for transformation, then it's like, then it's a wonderful thing. We are going to need to go to a break in a couple of minutes, but I would love to tap into the biology of trauma, because it, it seems to me that trauma is a normal response to abnormal or extraordinary amounts of exposure to stressful situations. Yes, yes. That's uh, as, as our friend Gabor Mate yes. says, right? This is a normal response to abnormal circumstances. And of course, this is how we're going to react. Yeah. And I find some solace in the acknowledgement of that, the normalization and the validation that we as human beings, when we're ex- exposed to you know extraordinary amounts of stressors, we will have this response. And that response, which we think is negative, is actually validating our humanity. 
so yes, this is what happens when we are in abnormal circumstances. We have a very specific and identified way of responding. And it's usually through fight, flight, or freeze. And there's a fourth one called fawn, you know, that we, we also include. And this is how our nervous system and our bodies react to adversity, to threat, and to painful situations, because this is our way of protecting ourselves, not only physically, but also emotionally, psychologically, and even spiritually from what's happening in the moment. So it's a very necessary response. Trauma response is very necessary. The problem with that is that when it becomes chronic, and then when we cannot get out of the trauma response, then the problem starts. That this is when we develop chronic illnesses. This is when we develop psychological diagnosis. This is when we develop symptoms that don't allow us to function properly in life. And this is what happens when we cannot get out of the trauma response because we we constantly hold the fear and the threat in us as if it's happening right now. Yeah. And it can be very paralyzing and very, very real for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why part of what it means to heal from trauma is not that we forget what happens, is that we can remember without having to react, without having the strong reaction as if it's happening in the moment. So somebody can be a survivor of sexual abuse, let's say, and they can hold that idea and remember that experience without having to relive it as if it's happening right now. And that's where we reclaim our power, isn't it? Yes, because then we don't see ourselves as, as uh, victims or as passive receivers of what's happening. We're able to say, this is who I am. I am not just a victim of abuse, let, let's say, but I'm also the, all these other parts. I, I'm also a capable human being that is able to face difficulty that has developed into all these resources and uh and traits, and I have all these other identities. And then you're able to hold all of that together and say, yes, I'm, these are parts of me. These are all parts of who I am. Um, yes. Let's take that break now to learn more about the incredible work of my guest today, Dr. Edith Shiro. Please visit dredithshiro.com. The book we're talking about is The Unexpected Gift of Trauma, The Path to Post-Traumatic Growth. To learn more, you may find Dr. Edith Shiro on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Edith, E-D-I-T-H, Shiro, S-H-I-R-O. Here comes the pause. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Hang on, before we take that pause, I want to share that I'm obsessed with Skims Fits Everybody Underwear Collection, and I must say that all the hype is 500% true. This underwear is a game changer. Skims are stretchy, soft, comfortable, and non-binding. Each piece feels like it just melts on my body. In fact, I forget I'm even wearing it. Skims is the solution-oriented brand creating the next generation of underwear, loungewear, and shapewear for everybody. Right now, I'm wearing the unlined demi bra that supports my tatas with body-hugging bliss and the dipped front thong. No visible panty lines, no seams, no camel toe, just pure comfort and joy. I'm a total convert who is in love with skims and never going back to ordinary skivvies. The Fits Everybody collection of underwear are lightweight, form-fitting essentials. 
Everyone deserves this level of comfort. The buttery soft fabric molds to your body and stretches to twice its size. It's offered in a range of cuts and fits from underwear and bras to dresses, t-shirts, and bodysuits. Available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X and offered in nine core colorways and limited edition seasonal colors. Believe the hype. Skims has over 90,000 five-star reviews for a reason. Skims fits everybody and more best-selling essentials are available now at skims.com. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $75, all at skims.com. Now let's take that pause. Research tells us that happiness is good for our health. Happy people live longer, are more productive, and make better partners, parents, and professionals. Connect on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for nutritious helpings of positive goodness. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one, and at times we all need a little support. To learn more about cultivating sustainable well-being at home and at the office, visit HarvestingHappiness.com to explore experiential online and on-site optimal lifestyle management consulting services, including recovery fortification and life crisis triage. And we're back, but before we get back to it, let's talk about happiness from the inside out. Great hair begins in much the same way, from the inside out. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement that's clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Did you know that 30 million women in the U.S. are impacted by weakened or thinning hair? If you're among them like me, you're not alone, and there is a solution that you can trust to deliver great results. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of hair thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism through whole body health. That's why I'm a huge fan of Nutrafol because it goes beyond genetics to target the factors that impact hair growth and helps bring your body back into balance. In a clinical study, 86% of women saw improved growth after six months of use. Nutrafol has multiple unique formulas that provide exactly what we need based on biology, age, and stage of life. Each physician-formulated product uses natural, drug-free, medical-grade ingredients in consistent doses for reliable results that I have experienced firsthand. More than 3,000 top doctors and stylists recommend Nutrafol as an effective, high-quality solution for healthier hair. What I love most about Nutrafol is that in addition to beautiful hair, the ingredients have helped improve my sleep, stress response, skin, nails, and those pesky menopause symptoms, including hot flashes. Who wouldn't want better well-being? A big shout out of thanks to Nutrafol for helping me grow thicker, healthier, and happier hair. Now is the time to have lovelier locks and better well-being with Nutrafol. Just four pills twice a day and you'll experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. Join me and millions of others who are celebrating great hair days with Nutrafol. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code HARVESTING to save $10 off your first month subscription. This offer is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $10 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code HARVESTING. Let's get back to it. 
And we're back, continuing the conversation with my guest today, Dr. Adit Shiro. We're talking about the Silver Linings Growth Book, Transforming and Transcending Trauma. Let's get back to it. So, Adit, I want to talk a little bit now about the the gifts of adversity that we as humans and citizens of the world collectively experienced both in the pandemic and as we moved out of it and we're in that sort of rebounding and rebooting phase and recovery phase, because I think there's a big lesson there for everyone. Yes. Yeah. You know, Lisa, what happened uh, during the pandemic as, and you know, funny because I was writing my book in those, in those couple, the last couple of years. Um, I have a whole chapter on collective trauma not just on intergenerational trauma, but also collective trauma. And the pandemic was such a perfect example for what collective trauma is. Because it doesn't mean that everybody is traumatized by what happened, by the confinement, by the unpredictability, by the death, by the uncertainty, by the fear of like health. You know, not everybody was completely traumatized. Some people were better, some people were worse. But what it did happen is that it connected all of us into an, an, an event, into an experience that affected everybody at different, different ways, at different levels. And when that happened, you saw, I mean, I was able to see all the, all the trauma responses. A lot of people were, for example, paralyzed. A lot of people yep. were not able to write to say, what kind of decision should I make? Should I go this way? Should I go that way? What am I doing? What am I not doing? And they were really stuck in this paralysis mode. Some other people were into fighting mode. They got angry, irritated, ir- irritable. They would like lash out at everybody around, their family, their friends. They would like quit everything they were doing. Like that, you know, that 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 anger and irritation would come out in a fighting mode, not just physically, but also emotionally. Then then you had people in fight in flying mode, meaning like they were avoiding, they were like running away, they were completely disconnecting and even being numb, like not feeling anything, not seeing anything, like not wanting to know anything, pretending like nothing was happening. So you, right? The ostriches. (laughs) Exactly. You had all these responses happening at the same time and everybody was trying to handle it one way or another. I don't think we're quite yet out of this process that the pandemic started. I think we're in the stage of we're in between stage two and stage three, which is like, you know, the first stage of radical acceptance, we already have. The stage two of seeking health, uh, protection and safety, I think this is what's been happening more and more and more. And that's why mental health is such a key element in the last few years, because it has become a priority. And when people are, people are really looking for safety and protection and really looking for those tools to take care of themselves. And then stage three, which is the stage of like a new narratives. I think exactly that's where we are. Most of us in the world in respect to the, to this collective trauma, we're trying to reorganize ourselves. You know, some people that were working, were no longer working. We're at home. People want to change schedules. Some people broke up in the relationships. Other people got together, you know, but there's a lot of that redefining, regenerating, Re- rebirthing, recreating that it's happening right now. You know, technology has come to a, to a whole other language 
that that we're using. So a lot of this new stuff, new things, and reorganizing who we were to come up with new identities. So I think we're at that third stage right now. We still have to go through, uh, you know, integration and then get to the post-traumatic growth, to the wisdom and growth for us to really know what were the lessons that we got from this collective trauma. And the lessons are on the individual level as well as a societal or cultural level, right? There there are multiple shades of gray, if you will, in this equation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because you know what? I, I honestly, I always see trauma in a more relational way. I don't see how trauma can be separated or isolated from anything else. So even when we're talking about an individual, you still are seeing how that affects everybody around them, even their ancestors, even their descendants. You know, a mother that is uh, an immigrant mother, let's say, is gonna is gonna go through a traumatic experience of being an immigrant. But it's also affecting every all the extended family, the community, you know, the people that came before her and that came after her, the children that she has to deal with and carry, and like being affected by that decision. And, and the same with, with, you know, other examples. What is your guidance for our listeners in terms of they might be listening to this episode and think, you know, I never really thought of myself in that context. You know, I maybe I wasn't somebody who had survived any kind of abuse or horrific event, and I never really looked at trauma in relationship to the pandemic. But now that you mention it, I Mm -hmm. I get it. I I understand it. And yes, I'm having this response. What are some tips or tools or strategies that you could share with somebody who might be having an awakening at this moment to the fact that there's even some trauma there beneath the surface? Yeah, I appreciate that. And you know, that's that's happened. Uh, I think these are um, triggers and opportunities for more curiosity. And if you are really in that moment of like realizing that maybe there's something more behind what you're feeling right now, I think that we're constantly in a journey of exploring who we are, right? And, um, Take a moment, take a pause and see what kind of reactions, what kind of emotions, what kind of uh, physical sensations are you having in the moment when you're listening to this or where there's anything that triggers you, you know, to, to see and be curious. What is this about? What is it trying to tell me? What kind of information do I have that maybe I don't remember or I didn't connect with in the past? And even going down that hole, that rabbit hole of like understanding a little bit more of who we are, not just by ourselves, but also in the context of our culture, our community, our our families, our, our childhood and our future, it really, it's going to start to make more sense. And it's going to start to, to make more connections into different aspects of yourself. So I think I always encourage people to really take those moments to pause and to have maybe journaled, write about it, maybe talk to somebody else, somebody in the family and be curious about questions that you didn't ask before that maybe you didn't know or you were not interested in. 
that now are coming up. Uh, maybe look at some of not just your family, but maybe the culture that you come from or the community that you grew up in. Like what, what is that? What is it about? Uh, what kind of things, what kind of memories you have or you're carrying with you? Another really good question is like, take a moment to think about what are your belief systems? What are the things that you know for sure that you grew up with, that you grew up uh, thinking this is the absolute truth? For example, uh, always I always listen to my mom saying that men are problematic or you never should trust men or men are always <laughs> cheating, you know, something like that. So, okay, what do you do with that? Is this a belief that you want to carry with yourself? Yeah. Are you questioning it? Do you want to rewrite that belief system? I guess, Adit, the question becomes, how do we rewrite our belief systems? Do we question, evaluate, wonder how do these beliefs serve us? Do we course correct and adjust our attitude and our actions? These are the ways that we can transform and transcend these challenges that we all encounter in our lifetimes. And I guess the most important part of post-traumatic growth is the gift. And the gifts are a greater appreciation for life, improved relationships, new possibilities, gaining of personal strengths, and a spiritual change, a shift within us and our relationship to the world. These are the big reveals that you can expect to find in the book, The Unexpected Gift of Trauma, The Path to Post-Traumatic Growth, written by my guest today, Dr. Adit Shiro. To learn more about Adit and her work, please visit draditshiro.com. On Facebook, you can find Adit at Dr. Period Adit Shiro and on Instagram, Dr. Period Adit Shiro. And that's E-D-I-T-H-S-H-I-R-O. Thank you so much, Adit. And we look forward to continuing this conversation on a future episode. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. That's wonderful. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness today. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen on behalf of my guest, Dr. Adit Shiro, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Please go out and rock your day and remember to be kind to one another. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes from our mental muscle toning libraries at HarvestingHappinessTalkRadio.com, Toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about my global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced by me, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, Andrea Mangeli, Robin Boyd, Andrea Daly, and the awesome team at Podfly Productions, including Eric Begay, Kimberly Beck, and Alec Gus, in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU Radio Malibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.